2: on this episode of White Line Question Time.
3: Emma Bunton's kids, right? It was her eldest's birthday once, and she says, will you come round a Spider-Man? And I went, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, he knew it were me straight away because of me dad body. <laughs> you never set out to... Um, Offend anyone? Everything comes from your gut and your heart, and it's to put smiles on faces, never to offend anyone. She said, "How much are you on now?" And I think I was on ten a year. I said, "I get eleven. I get eleven a year." <laughs> and she says, "Well, we'll give you 12. I went, "Hmm. Um, okay, I'll do it." <laughs> pulled, pulled down, I went, "I'm rich. I'm <laughs> rich, and I'm going to be on telly." Like, when I meet anyone now and they say, oh, I was in hill you were in hill Jesus Christ, how did that happen? Because it's so far <laughs> out of your reach when you're a yeah. kid living in Leeds. You're, it's a joke yeah. to suggest you're going to be on TV. Hello
2: and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest this week is a man who's been on the show before, but never as himself. In fact, he's one of the most recognizable faces in comedy, and next year celebrates 30 years in the business, but has always hidden his real self away behind masks and characters, be it as Avid Marion, Keith Lemon, or on Bo Selector, all until now that is. And I am, for one, am really excited by this because full transparency, he is one of my best mates. And I am really excited for you in this hour to finally get to meet and know the man I know and love. Born in Leeds in 1973, his was a really happy childhood raised by loving parents Spencer and Pat with his sister Charmaine on a council estate in Leeds where he would often go to school wearing a Spider-Man costume under his uniform. I think it's fair to say the writing was very much on the wall. When he was 16 his parents bought him a video camera for Christmas and in the months and years that followed he'd lose himself making home videos trying to make, well, just friends and family laugh. At 19, while he was studying at art school in Leeds, he met Jill Carter and they've been together ever since. 31 years, in fact, and married in 2002 on Halloween with a fancy dress wedding reception and between them now have two daughters, Matilda and Dolly. But in 1995, his dad, Spencer, passed away from throat cancer, which was devastating for the family and propelled him later that year to quit his job as a graphic designer working for the Yorkshire Evening Post. And he and Jill upsticked and moved to London together so he could try his luck in comedy. And we're going to come in this interview to how he managed to get on TV and to make the comedy world sit up and take notice. But trust me, his tactics were guerrilla and audacious, so much so in fact that he was very quickly catapulted onto screen, making a name for himself first as superfan avid Marion, before really capturing the public's attention with Bo Selector, where he entertained from behind rubber masks, most of which he made himself, playing everyone from Kim Kardashian to Ozzy osborne Mel B, and Lorraine Kelly. At its peak, Bo Selector was huge. We're talking catchphrase huge, and he followed it up in 2008 with his most famous character. Keith Lemon on Keith Lemon's very brilliant tour, which subsequently led to Keith Lemon the movie, and his move to ITV2 to present Celebrity Juice alongside team captains Holly Willoughby and Fern Cotton for a whopping 14 years, during which he won a BAFTA in 2016 for Best Comedy Performance. He also hosted the remake of Through the Keyhole for six years on ITV1, the Keith and Paddy Picture Show with Paddy McGuinness, and Shopping with Keith Lemon has been on air for the last five years. But whilst Keith lives on in some parts, he's decided finally to step out and work as himself, under his own name. And he's now hosting his own show every Saturday lunchtime on Virgin Radio. And most excitingly, is heading out on his first ever UK tour. It's called My First Time, because it is. So after decades where his alter egos have reigned supreme, it's time to unmask the man behind them all. I can't wait for you to meet my good friend, Lee Francis.
3: You've said everything I was going to say, so what am I going to say now? I'm not, I'll am i tell you I've got no toenail on my big toe, my left foot. My, my left foot's disgusting. I've got nothing else <laughs> to tell you, Kate. You've just said everything. Thanks for all your nice words. I feel like asking myself out. You should. <laughs> That'd be weird, wouldn't it? That's why you're my mate. I mean, What an introduction of you, mate.
2: <laughs> but, but, you know, well, first of all, it's all true, as far as I know. And secondly, like, I meant every word, you know, about you being really loyal, really kind, Such a good, good girlfriend on the phone. Like, you and I can do an hour, no problem. We love a gas, (laughs) don't we? Love a gossip.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm terrible.
2: And it's not just me you do that with. You've got other girlfriends as well.
3: Do you know what? I've got lots of girl mates, and I always have. And I can remember a, a, a lady in the press once asking me if I was gay. And I went, why? She says, you're always with girls. And I went, that's because I'm handsome. <laughs> and um, she, and um, I said, I, don't, I just like the company. of I like working with girls, I do. That, I, that's why it was so lovely when we did Celebrity Juice, having um, Holly and Fern there. Um, mm. I, I, yeah, I like working with, with ladies.
2: Well, I think arguably your best friend is a girl. She's also your wife,
3: Jill. Mm-hmm hundred percent. And um, yeah, when we met, we were so young, I guess we didn't take it that seriously, but just had a really fun time together. And, and that's why we're still here now. And everyone says, well done. And you go, you don't do anything. You just you get you luck that you meet the right person, I guess. And um, some spirit people and stuff have said, oh, you've met your soulmate. Because when my dad died, this spiritualist came to our house because my mum's into all that. Uh, and um, she, she said about Jill, she said, Jill's good for you because she'll travel. I know, I didn't know that, (laughs) that I guess she, I I guess she meant she will, because she said you're going to move to London and I guess that meant um, Jill will travel to London with me and, uh, but she also said there's a little man on the landing that looks after me. Now, when I was a kid, um, I used to wake up in the middle of the night laughing at the little man at the end of my bed. Isn't that weird? No. And all my... So I, my dad had this carpenter make this um, bed for me. It was like, just like a big box with a cupboard on the end of it and all my toys were in the end. And I'd wake up with all my toys around my shoulders uh, uh, and um, laughing at the little man at the end of the bed. What did he look like? Can't remember. Can't remember. But um, when she said, that when this woman said that a, a, a little man protects us on the landing in the house, I'm like, oh, oh that's weird. And then she said, yeah, you're going to move to London and she can I can see you commentating. All right. All right. And then um, she said, I can see loads of wires on the floor. You're going to work with someone called Alan. And um, the first person I worked with was called Annal, And um, she said, you're going to live in a house with lots of glass and lots of plants. That's where I live.
2: <laughs> well, also your place in Camden was a bit like that.
3: It was, yeah, yeah, same. Yeah,
2: this is what. Do you know what's so weird? Right, is this week I've I phoned Jill a couple of times. Me and Jill did like a voice note marathon while she was on one of her many school runs. Yeah, and I was just going like, it's really weird interviewing you as you because obviously you are my friend and I've known you for twenty five years. But I've never been able to, like whenever we do anything public, I have to play along with you in character. And Jill said to me, she said, it's even weird for me now when I'm out with him that I don't have to pretend he's Keith Lemon as well or bloody Avid (laughs) or somebody else. Like even your wife finds this weird. And I... And I'm really pleased that you're being you. But what made you shed the skin?
3: Uh, When I turned 50, I just thought um, it's time to do stuff as myself. And honestly, um, comedy-wise as well, I don't think character comedy is that in fashion at the minute, if I was honest. It's like sketch shows become fashionable and panel shows become, genres of comedy become fashionable. And at the moment, I just don't think that um, character comedy is fashionable. I might be totally wrong. And, you know, there'll probably some amazing comedian come through playing some character and we'll all think it's ace. Um, But, yeah, just because I turned 50 and you go, I don't know how long I've got left on earth never mind on this in this business and there's stuff that I want to do as me you know I'd love to do everyone used to say to me why don't you do a grown-up version of um, Art Attack and I would say what's a grown-up version of Art Attack me painting with me willy out what does that mean and it's like I, I, I can <laughs> do a version <laughs> of it that's both for children and for adults <laughs> because most of the things I make if you've ever seen me make anything um, oh, yeah. are stuff from the <laughs> 80s anyway so I always go oh, that's adult there because it's from the 80s Uh, But yeah, I'd I'd like to do some sort of art programme. I'm a massive film buff, so something um, where you can show your passion. Because when you're in character, you you can only show your passion so much for something. And uh, uh, near the end of Keith Lemon, I'm not saying that he's finished because I'm doing him in my tour, um, but... um, It it became more like me because the landscape of comedy changed as well. And you you have to be be a bit more mindful because I don't think anyone, i speak for me, you never set out to um, offend anyone. Everything comes from your gut and your heart and it's to put smiles on faces, never to offend anyone.
2: It doesn't from you. No, you are, and I mean this in the nicest possible way, you are so naive to the fact that somebody could be offended by anything because its it doesn't even cross your mind that you are in any way being offensive. That would be my read on you.
3: It it doesn't come from a place of malice. It comes from a place of childish silliness. And celebration, actually. Yeah, yeah. well, when I've lampooned anyone, it's because I like them.
2: (laughs) And listen, I I know What a weird
3: compliment. I like you, now I'm going to make a fool out of you, eh? Yeah,
2: you did it to me. That's how we became friends.
3: Yeah, 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 I did.
2: I want to talk today about who you are and I am really excited because I've spent years with people going you know Keith Lemon don't you and I'm like well actually his name's Lee and you know I'm always explaining you and, and people are always surprised that that you're super lovely and nice and I not so I'm very <laughs> excited for everyone to really understand your story and actually to hear you tell it because I don't think you actually have and if you have I couldn't find it anywhere.
3: No, no, I think I was on Frank Skinner's show many years ago with um, Davina McCall and we were plugging this charity single that we did which was a cover of I've Got You Babe with Patsy Kensit. and I, <laughs> I was really, I oh, know, I've had, I've had a really odd done, time things. <laughs> <laughs> it, It's so weird, isn't it? Um, so but weird. yeah, I was incredibly nervous. I didn't know Frank Skinner and he's a lovely man every time I've bumped into him since. But... um I was super nervous. And I was so glad Davina was there because I thought, "Oh, you just do it, and I'll just sit there and agree." And um, I've seen clips of it now and again pop up, and it's so embarrassing. And um, yeah, but back in the day, uh, we both had the same agent, and, and he was very good in the beginning for me, and almost like a father figure. And yeah, it, it, it would not mind me saying that, I don't think. And uh, but he saw he saw me presenting a show, and he and it was a show called Buzz. And he said, I saw that that buzz program you did.
2: That's Um, how it sounds, by the way.
3: (laughs) I thought you were shit. (laughs) I thought you were shit. Um, But I like the characters. Um, How about there's no such thing as Lee Francis and we just do the characters. And I was very young and I was like, yeah, that sounds ace so yeah, I went along with it and just decided I don't exist I guess on television and let's just do the characters all
2: because of John Noel saying that to you hey
3: it worked didn't it it worked though didn't it 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 was it was right well
2: (laughs) well actually this takes me really nicely to my first question actually whilst we talk about John Noel? because you and I both know who John is but let's give it some context he's a very important person in your life and I want my first question to focus on exactly that the most important people in your life. They say it takes a village, and I think that's true for all of us. So talk me through the people who make up your village, the people that have been absolutely seminal in your life. Lee Francis's village people. Where are we going to start?
3: Village? Well, Jill, straight away, with impossible without her. Impossible. Um, I wouldn't have come to London uh, without her. Um, I can remember, so I used to send videos. I made videos from when I was about 16 and uh, all my mates grew up and I continued making silly videos because I used to make them with my mates. And then I'd bring them round to my mate's house on a Friday night. We'd watch something silly that I'd done and then go out. And then one day someone said, why are you still making these videos? And then, well, well, I would make videos and I show you, we laugh and then we go out. And I can't remember who said it. I think Jill still says it was her, but she said, you should send them a telly. So I went, yeah, I might, might, yeah, might send them to telly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wasn't all got the address for telly. I got the address <laughs> for telly.
2: But where did you meet Jill? Because you were at art school at that point. You were studying graphic design,
3: I, yeah? Yeah, I was, I was at art school with her sister. And um, ah, uh, the, that the that night connection. I met Jill... The night I met Jill, um, I was out with my mate Pelle. not Pelle the footballer, he's called Richard Pell, so he's called Pelle. And I, met um, Pelly. I, I, was, I was out with him, drowning my sorrows because my dog had died. That's a great chat line, isn't it? Oh, my dog had died. Um, it would work and with anyway, Jill
2: because G- that's the kind of stuff that turns our head. <laughs>
3: <laughs> she likes dogs. Dogs,
2: I mean, not dead ones.
3: <laughs> Um, I was in, I was in a, a bar in Leeds and I bumped into a sister talking to her and then Jill walked through the door and Louisa's sister waved at her and I said you never said you had any fit mates as Jill approached and um, and then she said something to Jill and then I overheard her say oh Lee fancies you <laughs> and she just looked at me and I just went hello my name's Lee <laughs> and um, Jill might tell this different she said it didn't happen like this but that's how I remember it and then she's at the other side of the bar, and I'm trying to give her my best. Um, I fancy you. Look, looking at her when she looks over, I look away. Looking at her when she looks over, I look away. And then she just came round and said, "Are you going to buy me a drink?" Then I went, "No, I don't know who you are. <laughs> I don't know you." I had no money. I was, and I was 19, so I guess I didn't even have much etiquette or anything.
2: Was she, was she your first girlfriend? Like your first proper girlfriend?
3: No, I had loads. <laughs> I had loads.
1: Did
3: you or not? <laughs> yeah, no, I know I no, I had loads, and I simply I, I remember like people saying, how, "How did Lee Francis get off with her?" Not Jill, another girl, and I think, because I asked. <laughs> because I asked, I went to an old boys school, and it was like this: if when we, we used to go to a teen disco on a Saturday, and if you don't ask a girl out, I'm not going to see another girl for a week. <laughs> so like I, I, I'm and like it gets in 20 minutes left of this disco and I got me that's right I'm I'm have to find phone numbers I am
2: was that at the time because like when I used to do the teen discos there was still like you do like the under 18s yeah is that what you're talking about yeah yeah under 18s yeah, yeah. so yeah. there was still that sort of crossover time of they might do a bit of a slow song at the end of the set like yeah, at, exactly. at 6 o'clock when it shut so that's when yeah. you'd like have a touch and a feeling maybe a bit of a kiss And it would always be like, you know, Careless Whisper by George Michael or something.
3: Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So you were a bit of a a a Romeo on the old Leeds teenage disco scene, yeah?
3: Well, Jill said she was a bit unsure about me at first because she thought I was a bit (laughs) of a slag. And I said, I said, it just didn't work out with all those girls. I wanted him to be my girlfriend, but it just didn't work out. I, we were at a wedding quite recently, and this girl came up to me at this wedding. So said, Did you go to Family Park High? I went, Yeah. Did you go on a school trip to Patterdale? I went, To Patterdale? Um, and then I'm thinking, Patterdale? And then I looked at her, I went, You were my girlfriend, weren't you? She went, Yeah, but you dumped me for your skateboard. <laughs>
1: Because there's always, always,
3: yeah, there's always this battle as well with me, my mind, like, got to grow up, got to grow up. I'll have a girlfriend and I'll I'll, I'll grow up because I was incredibly childish and I still am. (laughs) Hence all the toys in the background. Um, I didn't want to grow up. I didn't want to. I didn't feel the need to. And I still don't, if I'm honest. But um, I just thought if I have a girlfriend, that will make me look like I'm of some sort of age. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, a, a, a couple of times I would go, oh, I'd rather be out on my skateboard. There's much a lot of time for this snoggery later on in life. I'm loving skateboarding. I did. I lived on my skateboard.
2: So right, let's let's stick with Jill. You, you finally yeah. buy Jill a drink. When did you realise she was, she was it? She was the one? That... When
3: she walked through that door. When she walked through the door, she was ev- everything... She looked like Winona Rider. I was very madly, deeply in love with Winona Rider. Luckily for me, um, Mick Hucknell was miles younger in those days, and uh, apparently I looked like him, so she fancied me. <laughs> she didn't go for conventional um, good-looking men. She likes Mick she Hucknall loves, she loves and, a redhead, and Mike she? Myers. She likes Mike Myers as well. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I got a phone number, and um, I phoned her about three times and she pretended not to be in a mum phone answered and said she's not in and I just kept phoning and that was her playing out to get and then she said yeah I'll go out with you I went out I met her in Dortmund Square next to the man with the barrel in Leeds it was raining I I remember everything I remember what I had on I remember what she had on we went to McDonald's and then I said do you want to come back to my house and then this first date, she came back to my house and met my mum and dad and my sister, who are all sort of lounging around, watching a film, sort slightly asleep, like just all like like they're all narcoleptic and they're just they're all just falling asleep all over the living room, aren't they? <laughs> and uh, and then I says, um, do, do you, imagine this, do you want to go upstairs and I'll show you some of my videos?
2: And that's been her life uh, ever since.
3: And I didn't try and kiss her or anything. And then Did we went not? back into we went back into Leeds and we went to see White Men Can't Jump. And I didn't like it. And I just kept staring at her and then doing the same thing, look away if she was looking at me. And then um, just before I put her in a taxi, um, she said, "Are, are you going to give me a kiss goodbye?" Then, "Well, yeah, I am." And, I, and then I saw her every day for three weeks. And um, I, we both said we should see our mates now, shouldn't we? And then we both saw <laughs> our mates. And then I bumped into her. Leeds is only small when you compare it to London. So I bumped into her that night when we were supposed to be with our mates anyway. And um, yeah, I ended up going off with her again.
2: (laughs) So do you know what? For as long as, pretty much as long as I've known you, you've always been Jill and Lee. Yeah. Jill and Lee. It's like, it's, it's like when people, you know, or Keith Lemon. But like, I don't think of you as just Lee, it's Jill and Lee. And like... The other day, I, like I phoned that, Jill. She didn't pick up. I just phoned you. Like, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a proper partnership. Is it always been yeah. like that?
3: Always, yeah. And um, you know, because both of us started off with no money whatsoever, and um, yeah, we just like hang out and been. We're just ace mates and liked each other straight away, but fancy each other as well. And we were talking about last night. We went out to um, the premiere of um, Argyle. And luckily for me, we went to the after party because you don't always get invited to those after parties these days. But you know? Um, I know, I know Matthew Vaughn a little bit, so I had an invite to the party, and we went there. Which was just me and Jill in a corner, just talking about um, still fancying each other. You know. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I go, Do you still fancy me? Yeah. Yeah, you fit. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we're, we're mates that fancy each other.
2: Your your wedding was. I mean, I, I'm I'm still gutted that I I was doing Pop Idol at the time and it yeah. was just coming up to the semi finals, so I couldn't take the weekend off to come to your wedding. Yeah, and you got married on Halloween, and I remember Jill's
3: idea. That was Jill's idea, not mine. You'd think it were mine. Yeah,
2: I would. I would have. Well, no, I would have thought it was both yours actually, because you are you are, I think, in so many ways cut from the same cloth. You've got the same sense of humor, the same sense of the ridiculous, but also the same sense of fair justice, you're kind, you're like, there's just so many traits in your personalities that you share. It's, it's, yeah, more so than most couples I know.
3: I always think she's better than me, though, at, at being a person, and def- definitely in social environments, although sometimes she'll get a bit shy. And I'm like, what are you being shy for? You're better than me at these sort of things. And she don't leave me. I will Oh, you've left me because you, you, she's better than me at things. She is. She's. And and, and any time anyone's never met her and I, I introduce her to whoever, I'll always score. oh, Jill's better than me, so you, you're better off talking to her. She's, she knows more. <laughs> And um, just knows, <laughs> she knows she's better.
2: <laughs> Your wedding reception, after you said, I do, it became fancy dress, didn't it?
3: It was the evening. After I yeah. said, I do, all my friends started chanting, Jill Francis, Jill Francis, Jill Francis, <laughs> this big chant. And and um, we didn't want to sit down thing because we just thought um, how uncomfortable we'd been in the past at sit down weddings. So it was, um, you just go up and get your food and stood up where you play And um, it, 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 this is many years ago. So I was still impressed by Tiny Burgers when I went to Showbiz Do's and they had the hors herbs And you go, Tiny Burgers? It's like they put them in a machine from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. This is incredible. <laughs> uh, and uh, so we had t- Tiny Burgers. <laughs> and I, I go into my leads mate, look at these Tiny Burgers. And, um, and then in the evening, yeah, it was a, a fancy dress because it was Halloween. And it was just so incredible, just looking down, watching everybody coming in, um, in amazing costumes, uh, which kind of set the bar for the rest of our life because, yeah, we 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 dress up a lot. Um, and any Halloween, any chance to play dress up, we do.
2: I remember the, one of the first times I came to see you at your house, you were living in Camden by then. And we'd known each other a while. You'd just got this place. It was like, it was... But I think before that you were living in, if not a bed, sit
3: close to that. Oh, we lived in shit. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you did. You lived in a tiny place, didn't you? And I came round, and you were like, "Look at this!" And it was like, it's just like the weirdest place I've ever been. And you were so proud, like, going, "Look at my paper mache ET that I'm making. Look at this yeah. that I made. Look at that that I made. I'm, look, I've done a drawing of you. It's you with ET, and you're in his bike basket." And I was like,
3: oh, "God, you're fucking weird." <laughs> Yeah, But I really like you. But I don't think I am. I know you don't. I don't think I am. I think I'm as normal as tea and biscuits. I always think I'm really normal. It's when you hear about other people that you think are normal and you go, oh, they're secretly nuts. Do you know? What
2: do the girls say? Like when the girls have their friends over, do they like say, just tone it down a bit, yeah? Like take the no. costume off?
3: No, because I don't I do not do anything when the kids come round. I just go, hello, nice to meet you. Yeah, really? <laughs> don't do anything. I don't yeah, believe you. I don't.
2: I've seen you too many when, times I running around that you, house as uh, Spider-Man.
3: When you come round or whatever, I'm showing off, aren't I? But I'm not going to show off <laughs> to the kids' mates.
2: <laughs> Do you remember when I brought Ben over, when Ben was little, and he was bang into dressing up as, like, the whole time he was spider Literally, for about three years, he was either Spider-Man, Buzz Lightyear, or somebody from Marvel. Yeah. Just nylon, basically. He was just made of nylon. <laughs> and we came to your house, the one you're in now, you just moved in. And I said to he said, um, "Do you think Matilda's dad will let me look at his Spider Man stuff?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, sure he will." <laughs> Boy, you sh- fucking senseless with it, my friend. And you goes into your your funny. I call it your serial killer room, but it's where all your yeah. costumes are, the things that you've bought. And he couldn't understand that, like. I mean, like, you've got costumes in glass cases. He was like, but why can't we try them on? I was like, because yeah. they're worth too much money. <laughs> <laughs> but he was, his mind was blown. He thought you were my... Like, of all my friends, you were the most exciting.
3: Oh, um, do you know um, Emma Bunton's kids, right? Um, it was um, her eldest's birthday once. And she says, "Will you come round a Spider-Man. And I went, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, he knew it were me straight away because of me dad body. <laughs> Spider-Man's dad It's Uncle Lee Lee. It's Uncle Lee (laughs) (laughs) No it's not, it's Spider-Man But he's been to Leeds, that's why the accent's rubbed off onto him Talking about boring people with Spider-Man I met Andrew Garfield at um, Glastonbury (laughs) <laughs> and, um,
2: oh, my God, I bet you lost your shit, didn't you?
3: I saw him I saw him at breakfast because we, we um, cheated. We stayed in a hotel because Jill's never been before and she wanted to go. She says, but I'm not camping. So we stayed in a hotel and we we're having breakfast with Sandra Garfield and I'm, I'm, I'm signalling to Jill to look over there and I'm doing Spider-Man spinning his webs, the hand <laughs> position that he's doing. And, <laughs> psh, 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 psh. and she's going, yeah, 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 I can see. And I'm going over there. I'm going over there to say hello. And I went over to him. And he said, oh, hello. He said, when did I see you last? I said, it was at the Spider-Man premiere. I was walking in at the same time as you and you said to me, "Um, big fan. And then I said to you, big fan, hopefully. (laughs) What horrible (laughs) thing to say. I hope I'm a big fan of you. And then I said, I came out and I was a big fan. And I said, I own you as a 12-inch doll. Isn't that weird? And then Jill went, you shouldn't have told him that, man. <laughs> and then, but, the, but then we were watching Elton John and I felt this arm around me. And I, I, look, I looked up, because his miles taller than I am, because I'm short... And it was Andrew Garfield again. All right. And then I started talking about Spider-Man again whilst he's watching Elton John. And then he saw um, a Teen Wolf badge on my bag. He went, now that's a film. And I said, oh, right, let's get in a Teen Wolf then. <laughs> oh
2: my God, he doesn't know you, I does he? I
3: own the actual costume from the film.
2: <laughs> this is it, right? So when we came around to your serial killer room, which obviously you're not a serial killer. It's no. just that you have a large room with lots of memorabilia and costumes in glass display cabinets. With backlights and stuff, and no doubt security. Um, uh, ben was absolutely blown away that you've got actual Team Wolfs. Um, is it Team Wolf or Michael J? Which one is it that you've got? Some Michael J. Fox thing? Excuse me. Yeah,
3: names. T- Michael J. Fox was Scott Howard in Team Wolf, and I have the actual costume. Jill bought me it for my fortieth, and I have his yeah. uh, his jacket as well. Yeah, but I also have Michael Hutchins' jacket as well. I, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I like some I go. I go to town. I've got. His tra- I've got a couple of pair of trousers yeah. but I'm too fat to wear them. So my mum popped a little triangle in the back, so I can wear them.
2: <laughs> did, Pat get a, did Pat get a sewing box out?
3: Yes, yeah, she did. Well, I I, um, I knew what trousers there were, and I searched on eBay of loads to see if I can find another pair the same. And then she cut that fabric out and popped a little triangle in the back, and I wore them on Celebrity Juice. <laughs>
2: So when I came round to your place in Camden, right, that was the, was that the second place that you and Jill lived in. Talk to me about where you were at in your life and who your other kind of villagers would have been at that time, because you'd left Leeds and you, you'd yeah. just not long lost your dad. So that must have been like a mad and difficult and tumultuous time for you.
3: It was it was um, a kick up the ass that uh, about reality and that you can die, and I, and I just thought. Um, I had a nice job that I liked. I was a graphic designer, which I'd been to art college for four years. And um, once I got a job, my dad was really chuffed because he he just thought I wanted to go to art college for the rest of my life. And I can't deny that I didn't. I I, I loved art college. I felt like I was um, one of the kids from fame, but not dancing, just painting and drawing all day. It was an incredible (laughs) time. And I've I've got all the mates, all the mates that I had then are still my mates now. They're my best mates.
2: Is that where you met Keith Lemon? Because actual no, Keith Lemon I'm, is a person. I met
3: him at school, at uh, nursery, when I was. Uh, we've known each other since we were three. Keith Lemon, real Keith Lemon. A lot of Bloody people don't know hell. about Keith Lemon. Um, Keith to Lemon's Keith um, Lemon. Um, my mate, I've known all my life. And um, the name, I, I just said to Keith, I said, I'll, I'll give you a shout out on telly. He said, How will you do that? I said, I'll give a character your name. He went, You will? You you what? I went, I, I, went <laughs> I will. And then I did. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, when my dad died, it was like, holy shit. And um, I was a bit angry. I, mean, I wasn't a bit angry, I was angry. And um, I, I just thought, I've got to go live my dreams. And my sister had left home because she's five years older than me. And then she had guilt. I don't know if she felt guilty that she'd left home whilst my dad was ill. Obviously, she helped as much as she could and stuff. But it was just me and my mum at home looking after him. And um, so, yeah, when he died, I said, I'm just I'm just going to go live dreams. Um, my mum was out with her friends she had, she got a close-knit friend it's like the Golden Girls you know um, so I, I was sending me tapes off and then a lady called Hester Davis um, for me well actually I, I auditioned on a show called Watch This Space and the presenter said if you think you're better than us um, come and audition and I just every week would spoof their programme taking the piss out of them and then, so then a lady called me up and says, do you want to come on audition? I went, yeah. So, and I did. And I came last. Um, but it was Mifanwi Mar, who was the producer of Little Britain, and Hester Davis, Um they said, we really like you and we like your ideas because I storyboarded all my ideas. <laughs> and they said, we, we're setting up a channel in a couple of weeks called the Paramount Channel. We, we might give you a call. I went, oh, amazing. Because when I was in that office, it was a different office to the office. I I was in a graphic design office and the the boss was kind of old school. And if you were chatting and stuff, you didn't like it. We used to have arguments all the time. I said, you need to chat to be creative, so sharing ideas. And I used to walk out and then come back in.
2: This is the Yorkshire Evening Post, yeah?
3: yeah Uh, but the office um, it was a a production company called Hewland and it just seemed so fun I thought and I got TV bugs so much I was like I want to be in that world and then sure enough two weeks later Hester Davis gave me a call and said "Uh, we want to offer you a job as an ideas person I went all right cool she said how much you on now and I think I was on 10 a year and and, um, I said I get 11 I get 11 (laughs) a year And she says, well, we'll give you 12. I went, "Mm, hmm, okay, yeah, I'll do it. (laughs) Pulled the phone down, I went, I'm rich! I'm (laughs) rich! And I'm going to be on telly! And then, Bosh, shut, he's coming, Red, Red, shut up, sit down and stop talking. You can't even talk anyway. How are you going to be on TV? And um, two weeks later, I I, I, I spoke to Jill, says, do you want to come to London? She said, yeah. Her mum panicked. Um, I went to see Julian Cope with my mates. That was the last gig I, I went to see in Leeds. And I moved down to London and my mate Phil came with me for that weekend. Um, I lived in a bed and breakfast for two weeks. I could hear people having sex next door to me. It was horrible. Um, and then Keith Lemon's sister, Caroline Lemon, put me up on a in a, a floor and uh, in this lovely complex of flats in New Cross Gate, which back then was a bit like the Bronx. Um, yeah. I've heard it's really nice now around there. Yeah. She knew the guy who ran the complex of flats. And she, um, I said, Go on a date with him and try and get me a flat. So she did. And then <laughs> the next day, she went, I've got you a flat. Got you a and then I, I moved into. <laughs> and she's, well, she's a lovely friend. And then she got me a flat, and I had um, a sleeping bag and a lamp in this flat and nothing else and a phone Jill up I said I've got a flat you've got to move down move down now we've got a place then she came down I went look at our wonderful flat that has no furniture but it we're exciting it we're all an exciting adventure and I did think if it all goes wrong I'll just go home you know I think a lot of people are scared of failing uh, but I guess I wasn't and uh, I just it was a wonderful wonderful adventure and um, I, I enjoyed actually being by myself and walking around in London on Sundays. To just walk around until I found out where everything was. I mean, the shock that you don't need to get a tube from Oxford Street to Covent Garden—you can walk there. Because <laughs> when you're from Leeds, you think, oh, you've got to get tube from there to there to there to there. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: did it help being somewhere? Did it help being somewhere different, um, away from Leeds and the memories of your
3: dad? Because yeah, you kind of just think that they're on holiday. I guess.
2: Yeah. Did it sort of stunt your, gave you a bit of a holiday from your grief?
3: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, And like when I used to go back and we'd all get a bit tipsy and stuff at my mum's, my sister, uh, my mum would be crying and I kind of, I wasn't crying. I guess you don't get over it but you get used to it. You get used to it and I was, yeah, it's like he was on holiday and I've said that before about Caroline Flack. Um, You just, I just always think she's on holiday because she likes a holiday, did Caroline Flack. And um, she's often on holiday. So to me, I just think, oh, <laughs> I ain't seen Flack for ages. She's on holiday, isn't she? <laughs> and, that, and that was the same thing with Caroline, really. Because I think Caroline was the, like, the first time I'd, I'd had a mate that had died, you know. Yeah. That was yeah, weird as well. Ways, that was a, I yeah. mean, totally different feeling. But um, you do become robotic, I think. And I don't like crying. And Jill always says, you, you should cry. Um but I, I don't like not being in control of my emotions, whether that be sadness or anger. Because like I, I think if you're free with crying, you're going to be free with anger. And I just think, just just suck it up, suck it up. What, why am I sad? Why am I've I sad? never seen
2: you lose your temper. Even when you've been wronged or, or somebody's let you down or when you've had absolutely good reason to be angry. I've never seen you be angry. And you've got to you be a little sad.
3: bit sort of carefree. You've got to be a little bit carefree and say, oh, I don't care. I don't care. I mean, um, both my mum and Jill told me off before for saying I don't care. I said, it's not that I don't care about that person. Uh, I, but you can't be, you know, dogging yourself down with all this stress and worrying. go, oh, it do not matter. Tomorrow you'll forget about it. Do you know what I mean? So I do, I'll do. Often, often go, oh, I don't care. Because I can get my knickers in a twist. I can. And that's why I would never do one of those reality shows where you wake up in a bad mood. Do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't want to be on telly in bad mood. No, no, I get that.
2: Um, what was your dad like? Because one thing Jill said to me this week was, she was, she said, "It's really interesting, you know, because I don't know if that we would have come to London if Spencer hadn't died." And I don't,
3: I don't think I would. I, think, I don't think I would. Do you not? So God, like, so no. Isn't that bittersweet? It was, um, I guess, like escapism, um, like we said. Um, it was a, sh- a shock of death and um oh shit you can die we're, on, we're not here a long time because he was only 47 oh, and, and i
2: know i mean like you're older now than he was when he died yeah. that's that must be weird as well lee
3: yeah, it is it is because you just think oh i'll die when i'm 47 then and um but he, i didn't realize he was that young back then because he was sort of dad age i guess to me and you know <laughs> like a dad <laughs> and um <laughs> but yeah it's a shock that you can die and life's really short so just Go do it. Go do it. And I can remember coming back to Leeds and talking to my mate saying, I'll bet you any money, none of you will make it. Because a lot of my mates were graphic designers, but musicians as well. So none of you will make it unless you move to London. I says, because that's where all the access to things is. And a couple of them moved down and gave it a go. And they might not have worked and they've gone back, but they, they gave it a go. And so they know. And imagine if you don't give it a go. Uh, and my mum was, is a little bit like that. She says sometimes I envy your life and what you do. She says because I liked the idea of being a, a performer of, of some kind, but um, it just was too far out of my reach. As it was for me when I lived in Leeds, you being on telly, you a joker. And, and like when I meet anyone now, and they say oh, I was in, in Grangill, you were in Grangill. Jesus Christ, how did that happen? Because it's so <laughs> far out of your reach when you're a kid yeah. living in Leeds. You're, it's a joke yeah. to suggest you're going to be on TV, you know. And there's a handful of us from Leeds that, you know, Chris Miles and such and and, and Ricky Wilson. And, and I think that's part of our friendship that we're from Leeds and that sort of, can you believe what happened to us? Can you believe it? Because I still am in disbelief and probably people who hate me are also in disbelief, but I can't believe it <laughs> happened either. Um, uh, but you, you know, you, you knew me in the early days and it was just trying really hard and you helped oh, me out loads Lee. as well. You were always in, on me, stupid little pilots that I made and stuff, I you did. know?
2: So let's talk about when we met because John was my agent, John Noel, who you talked about earlier.
3: Yeah. And he'd take he's me in me, he's a, He's definitely in my village. He has to be. Totally.
2: He'd be in my village yeah. too.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
2: yeah. Yeah is is it was very important in your life wasn't it and you know i think when you needed a father figure he was almost that but nothing like your dad and he shares your it, same yeah. warped sense of humor john
3: yeah 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 we we'd say the worst things together both of us laughing and um the whole s- staying in character thing like i say it was his idea and i can remember him saying What I want you to do, Lee, is um, come to the office tomorrow in character and uh, let's see if you can stay in character. I'm going to try and throw you out. So which character can you do that you can stay in character? I said, probably all of them. I said, I don't know what happens to me. It just happens. He says, okay, well, let's test it tomorrow. So the following day, I'd go into the office. I'd stop at the phone box. This is when he had an office in Primrose Hill. There was a phone box. I would get changed in the phone box like a really (laughs) shit Superman and not come out super at all. I'd come out as whatever crank I was playing. And um, (laughs) then (laughs) then go into his office, say hello to Polly and Brian and and Jan and everyone that worked there. Uh, And then... Sit in front of John and he just asked me a million questions. And um sometimes I'd try and make him laugh, and sometimes it was like an acting exercise. So I couldn't say something that was so silly that was ridiculous. But he'd say, um, Where are you from? How old are you? What was your mum? And all these sort of questions. And then he'd phone me an hour later when I'd left. And he went, Good, right, come with someone else tomorrow. And I did that. I did that for about a week. And then he says, I'm going to set up these meetings. He says, I'm not telling the commissioners that you're coming. Um, you're going to bang on the window and I'll invite you in and I'll introduce you as um, one of my new clients. So I okay. And I can't tell you how many of these meetings we did.
2: Oh, I can. Flipping loads because quite often <laughs> he'd, he'd have to say... So quite what John would do is he'd say to a commissioner, so a commissioner, if you don't know what that is, is somebody that greenlights television shows, right, and makes them happen. So they're important. Um, and producers will pitch ideas to commissioners. So it would either be a lunch or a dinner with a producer or a commissioner, but somebody that could like make a difference to your career. And John would say that it was either a lunch or a dinner with, say, me or Davina McCall. So they would go along thinking they were going to meet me or Davina or whoever else he was repping. But instead, we'd never show. Instead, you'd show <laughs> up as Barry Gibson, Avid Merrion like some
3: crackpot. Keith pot. Lemon.
2: Keith Lemon, uh, that would just barge into a West End restaurant and cause... May- you were like immersive theatre before it was a
3: thing. Yeah, I guess it was. It was like um, a, a, sh- a stand-up show to an audience of people having their lunch, not wanting to be bothered, I guess. I Once I did, it was um, a guy called Stuart Murphy. He was the boss of a channel called UK Play, which became BBC Three. And um, I did Barry Gibson... Then I left, went to the toilets, got changed, came out as Barry Gibson's mum. Then I came, went left, came back as Keith Lemon. I had a portable karaoke machine. I sang "When Will I Be Famous" to the whole of Zillyfish. Aldo Zilly sent me a letter saying I am banned from coming into the restaurant, and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and Stuart Murphy had a go at John saying you're taking advantage of these people because they're all they've all obviously got a, a screw loose <laughs> these people that you're representing and uh I mean John must have fueled him with some drinks as well to believe it but um John said it, it, it's not some people it was one person it's the it's one person playing all of them and he, he was in disbelief and then he said um Oh well I'll give him his own show then.
2: It was a brilliant way to showcase you. Very smart, very disruptive. Yeah. Very dangerous, actually, because it could have really not come back well on John or his other clients. On me.
3: Yeah, another client. Or, clients, or yeah. you,
2: absolutely. But you know what? For some reason, and like and he never did it without our permission, by the way. And I don't know what it was about you, because you were so odd and you were never not in character. That I yeah. ended up going, yeah, of course you can use my name. I just wanted to see you do well.
3: Ah, oh, both you and Davina always helped me with things, and it, it, I sometimes I felt bad because I just thought, oh, all these poor, poor clients of John, all they must fucking hate me. They must hate me because I'm always, can you do this? Can I film me doing this with you? <laughs> Do you
2: remember when you took me bowling and you said, can I do this thing with you? I'm going to take you bowling. It won't take yeah. long. It's for a new thing. And I think I'm going to get a commission. I was like, look, yeah, sure. But you said, I'll pick you up from wherever you are. And I was like, right, okay. What character, what character were you? Keith Lemon.
3: Keith, Keith Lemon. was Keith Lemon.
2: That was it. It was your Keith Lemon pilots, wasn't it? It was just trying yeah. out Keith Lemon as a full-time oh, character. Always, yeah. So I, I said, right, I'm, a, I'm going to be in the West End. I'm having my hair highlighted. So you turned up <laughs> in a freaking limousine, right? I was So embarrassed. <laughs> I've got my hair in foils. You pick me up, you chuck me in the back of a limo. We go bowling in the Elephant and Castle, which is like, you know, sort of at that point, the armpit of London. And what did, what did you do? You licked my chips.
3: I think I got you some chips, and whilst you were bowling, I just licked all your chips
2: <laughs> and then filmed me eating them.
3: Yeah. And then I think I, that was, I guess, Keith Lemon's way of like, um, yeah, I quite fancy you, so much so I licked your chips. <laughs> we might as well snog because you've got a bit of residue from my tongue in your mouth because I've licked your chips.
2: <laughs> and then you did a whole thing where, do you remember Yorkshire Television used to have that, those signs that it was like, um, like like a bird, like a kid would draw a, a bird. Yeah. And back then I used to wear very low rider jeans and when <laughs> I was bowling you could obviously see my thong, yeah. my G-string, I wear a thong. And you made this whole thing about. So I can't tell you for how long people were like. Oh, just a wear thongs, Can I lick your chin? I, like, I don't even know that yet. Like, oh,
3: anyway. I did. I said your That's your just... thong looked like Yorkshire TV logo.
2: <laughs> That's right.
3: She, she she had a thong on. It, it looked like the Yorkshire Tele logo. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Well, I, I tell um, my kids I've done loads of naughty things on telly that they shouldn't watch. Um, they, they watched Through the Keyhole and they watched Keith and Paddy Picture Show. They, they've been um, warped by all my I, I've, I talk of movies, so they, they know more about films than anyone else their age. And um, So I guess that's why they liked Keith and Paddy Picture Show, because they knew all the films and thought it was funny and it wasn't rude. And, and people who watched... Um, Keep a Party Picture. They used to say, "Can my kids watch it?" And I, I used to say, "If you would let them watch that film, then yeah, they can watch they us can do watch that this. film because yeah. that's that's all it was." Yeah,
2: I love that show. I think there is more of that to come from you. Not necessarily that show, but more of that 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 big because that's what you'd love to do. Yeah,
3: what? it's the best thing I've ever done. I cried twice when we were filming it with joy. I can remember we were on we, I can't even believe I'm saying this um sentence. I can believe I remember when I was stood on the Ewok village and um <laughs> <laughs> Michelle Keegan came walking over dressed as Princess Leah and I ran off to fix myself up because I teared up with joy and like, oh my god, look at this what we're doing, it's insane. And I did the same when I did a Back to the Future special, we did an hour special on Back to the Future. And uh, Jill phoned me up. She went, "Where are you?" I said, oh, "I'm outside Doc Brown's house," and started crying.
2: What are the, that that was going to be my next question for you, actually, is like those pinch me moments because I know, like you've had those moments because I've spoken to you about them, where you're like, like you know, like, if I haven't seen you for ages, and you go, "Hiya, hiya," and then your phone is out in seconds, and you're going, "Look at this!" Right? Because you're so excited <laughs> about something you've done, and I yeah. love that you've got an unending enthusiasm for what you do. What are those pinch me moments? Because I know it could be anything from, you know, landing the Michael J. Fox Teen Wolf outfit to filming with Steve Guttenberg, which meant so much to you.
3: Yeah. Steve Guttenberg. Can you believe it? Through the keyhole, I met such lovely people. Um, I can remember. Do you know Denise Richards? Oh, from Wild wild Things. And um, she was married to Charlie Sheen anyway. um, Oh, yes, I I do. Yeah, Yeah. Beautiful woman. Yeah, yeah I, I, we were doing Through the Keyhole at her house, and normally Pete, they weren't there, the house owners. And um, she came on whilst we were filming, and I was just like, oh, my God, she's oh, she's here. Oh, no, oh, no. And then I gave her loads of DVDs. Oh, like, this is why you can have them. <laughs> What's my DVD? <laughs> and I said, I think I talked about um, Keith party Picture, and said, oh, we'd love you to come be part of it. She says, I will. And she went, and when I say I'll do something, I will. But she didn't. And um, But also, <laughs> just... At the early days of moving down to London, um, when I worked in the art department, I worked in the promos department at Paramount. What Paramount was good at is that, um, this channel was setting up, and they just stuck you in different um, places. So one minute you you're an art director, then you're doing promos, and How um, one is day you just learnt TV, but got paid. You got paid twelve grand. I told you, it's and, so, uh, so they
2: would literally. So it's like an apprenticeship, right?
3: Yeah, a little bit like that. Yeah. And I was collecting some props for a shoot once and I bumped into Patsy Kensit and Marilla Fostrop, literally bumped into them and fell on the floor and dropped all these props and I looked up and just went, sorry. And I couldn't believe Patsy Kensett was stood there. Patsy Kensit was all over my wall when I was a kid.
2: But then you think like years later, you end up playing characters alongside her, you know? Yeah,
3: yeah. It was cr- like- loads of those sort of crazy stories. Um, was it
2: um, at Paramount that you shared sort of like your hot desk with um, Dom Jolly and Sasha Baron Cohen?
3: The office was insane if you think about it Talk now. Talk to me. Yeah. Um, so it was the development part of um, Paramount. I sat next to Dom Jolly, opposite me was Sasha Baron Cohen. In the corner was um, Simon Pegg and Jessica Hines. Uh, there was also Julian Barrett and Noel Fielding, Matt Lucas and David Williams. And everyone else was researchers and stuff. And that was, and literally coming in the morning and everyone developing ideas and filming little bits. My job, they gave me £50 budget to go film things. And Sasha would say, What are you doing today? And I'm, oh, I'm just going to follow Richard and Judy for a while with my video camera. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> uh, what are you doing? And he says, Oh, I'm going to London Fashion Week. I'm doing a character called Bruno. I went, All right, good luck with it then. I hope, I hope it works. Yeah. <laughs>
2: What an extraordinary room to be in! Like all that talent in
3: one room. Can you, I mean, can you imagine if that was all the cast of a movie? Yeah, no. Didn't know then, though, did we? Wow.
2: So that that job, Lee that that job that job must have been like, oh my god, how brilliant! That in some ways, I think actually chasing success is almost more enjoyable than achieving success, and that's where you're, that's where the chase began for you, wasn't it?
3: Well, that's the same as collecting toys. Once you've got it, you just pop it on a shelf and don't give a shit. But the chase for it is uh, um, um, very enthralling. I love that.
2: You, yes. I love that you say that. Like everybody will go, "Oh yeah," because nobody else collects toys. You freak.
3: <laughs> no, um, no, it was Paramount. Was amazing. It was, and um, it, yeah, it was the. the I can remember phoning my mum and saying, "If I don't get any further, I don't care." because I'm here, I work in TV. Um, and, and then I guess you get the bug even more. And I was auditioning for things. I've never got one thing I've auditioned for ever, uh, but I would run off for auditions. And then the bosses of Paramount would come in the art department and go, where's Lee? And uh, the guys that worked in there were guys go, gone for an audition. And then they got me in an office one day and said, um, we need you 100% or not at all. And I went, I guess it's not at all then. And then I left. And I had a year of. You (sighs) left Paramount? Yeah. I had a year of struggles. And um, that's when I I started making a documentary about a a stalker who was um, obsessed with Richard and Judy. And I followed Richard and Judy for a month with my video camera and made this documentary. And he would get a bath with mannequins that had celebrities' faces on them. And um, it was very, very strange. It wasn't supposed to be funny. I thought, again, it was me doing acting. And I bumped into Dan Mazer who was the producer of um, Ali G. And he said, what are you up to? I said, I'm making a documentary. He says, about what? I said, a stalker. And um, he says, are you doing that with? I went, just me. He says, "Where are you cutting it? I went at home on two videos. He says, can we have a look at it when you've done it? I went, yeah. And I brought it in and I showed him it. And he's laughing his head off. What are you laughing for? I went, it's not funny. says, supposed to be a bit scary. <laughs> He's looking at him like shaking his head. And he said, oh, it's funny. He says, what about him as our showbiz correspondent? I went, yeah. I went, how much? <laughs> he went, 150. I went, I'll do it. And phone Jill. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I've got a job. <laughs> Ooh, £150. £150 each sketch. We're rich again. We're rich again. £150. <laughs> I'll do as many as I can. I'll just do loads. And then um, so Avid have started. And that was for a show called Show Me The Funny where viewers... Um, online would vote for their favourite sketch and then Avid couldn't do it anymore because I was getting recognised as Avid in HMV and stuff like that and my um, mate asked me if I could, would do stand-up on some night he was doing I said, oh, I, don't, I don't do stand-up he says, come on, you can only you can do five minutes and I thought, well, I'll do Avid Merriam then so basically I did both selector on stage I did Avid Merrion And then um, I said, please welcome on stage my musical guest, Michael Jackson. Ran backstage, put the jacket on and the mask on and came back out. Bottom half was still Avid Merrion And I stood there and went, eh! and everyone laughed. I went, I like, oh my gosh, I won't do anything until they stop laughing. And then when they stopped laughing, I just went, and then they started laughing again. So I made a series of Michael Jackson noises. got a load of laughs. And then I said, the audience was not big enough for me to sing tonight. So I'll recite my lyrics, poetry style, poetry style. And um, I, I just said the words of um, bad, just said them, but dropped F-bombs in there. In and then um, I went into the office the next day and said, oh, I did this on stage. Can you imagine someone coming to the office and going, here you lot. I did this on stage last night, and then I did it again in front of them. And then Dan Mazer went, let's do that. And I said, I've got this idea, it's called Celebrity Day Off, and it's celebrities having their day off, but doing really mundane things. And the first time I shot that, I did it with my mate, Paul Anganavala, who looked like a Sri Lankan Marty McFly. He always had a body warmer on, or a, a Gile if you're posh. And um, <laughs> it, he, he filmed me. Him and his girlfriend Vanessa just filming me as Michael Jackson having his day off, buying some hair gel. That was the the <laughs> the, the peak of his day. That was the most exciting thing he did on his day off, Michael Jackson, buy some hair gel. Do
2: you remember when um I was having a meet? well, we're catching up with a friend one day and you got quite excited because it was my mate Craig, who used to be in Bros, who at that <laughs> time was a very successful music manager, still is actually a yeah. very successful music manager. But um at that particular point in his career, he was managing, um, you know, Sade, Pink and Janet Jackson. And you bowl over to our table and start doing Michael Jackson. I'm going, shut up.
3: Oh, I heard a rumour that Michael Jackson liked his um, boss selector version of him because it wasn't um, an impression of him. Definitely wasn't an impression of him, was it? That's what I heard. Well, in that song, he said he were bad. So I, I made him bad. Like, yeah, I'm bad. I'm bad, motherfucker. <laughs> and, um, but I heard he liked it but yeah I do remember that you sat there with um, Craig Logan and he went to the toilet and you went do you know who that is and, of course I know who it is I don't even know I, was, like, I had a mouth of a ventriloquist for some reason like I want to open him of course I know who it is <laughs> <laughs> do you know that Matt Goss um, Matt Goss did um, backing vocals for Terrence Trent Derby did he? On his album, Vibrator. Because I'm listening, I love Terrence Trent and And I listened to it and I swear that's Matt Goss. And when I got to know Matt Goss, I went, you do backing vocals on one of the Terrence Trent Derby songs? I went, yeah, because so I knew it were you. I knew it were you. Did you? Oh.
2: you? and Peter Kay have got a massive love of commercial pop music, haven't you?
3: Well, do you know what? Me, Peter Kay, Paddy McGuinness. Um, I think if we're all at school, if I'd have been at school with those guys, we'd have all hung out, I guess, dicking about. Um, we're, we're quite similar. One of them's miles funnier than the other. And um, <laughs> others, well, well, he is, isn't he? Peter Kay's is the, the Don. Um, I'll, sp- I'll speak for me. I won't speak for Paddy, but yeah, you just live in the shadow of someone like Peter Kay. He is amazing. He's very funny. Yeah, I he mean, is.
2: he's just got funny bones, right?
3: Pa- pa- Paddy is the funniest one in the pub, though.
2: You love, you get a kick out of Paddy, don't you? But you I, and I Paddy you hanging what, out, you just giggle.
3: We did Let's Dance for Comic Relief. And he, he phoned me up, he says, do you want to do this let's Dance for Comic Leave thing? You
2: did Dirty Dancing, didn't you?
3: Yeah. He said, He said. Um, I said, what is it? He says, we're going to do a Dirty Dancing sketch. I went, yeah, I'll do it. Um, and then about an hour later, I phoned him back. I went, what are we doing? And he says, we're going to learn that dance from Dirty Dancing. I went, what? I said, I can't do that. <laughs> and you oh, were baby, kind of thought, weren't you? I said, you yeah. I, said, I thought we were going to do a sketch. I thought we were going to do a sketch. You know, you could learn the dance. I went, what, well, like, strictly? I went, yeah, I went, I can't do that. Um, I think it was the second day. We're both knackered in rehearsals, second day of rehearsals. I said to him, I'm not having a good time. I said, This is too hard, man. It's really hard. I didn't think it was gonna be this. I've got I've got st- these heels on that I'm trying to dance in. I said, The only I said the only way we're gonna win this is if we fall in love with each other, but don't touch each other's junk. <laughs> So, so, well, I'll, I'll say I fell in love with him. I think he fell in love with me. I hope he did. And and we be, and we I think that was where we sealed the deal of our friendship there and then. And we said we should do um, half-hour versions of movies. So we, we wrote a half-hour version of Dirty Dancing. I'd write a bit, send it to him. He'd write a bit, send it back to me and go back and forth until we just had this half-hour script of Dirty Dancing. Um, and then we pitched it everywhere, everywhere. And everyone said no. And then we just went... Did yeah, I went, you go off and do your thing and I'll go off and do my thing and we'll reconvene. And then 10 years later, um, we tried to sell it again. And um, I can remember going into ITV to try and sell it. And um, lovely Claire Zolka, um who was a commissioner then, I've got so much time and love for, she she was so lovely to me, but she said, she went, um, it's too niche. I went, too niche? And that, that time they had Splash On you know, the diving competition with celebrities. And I said to Claire, I said, other than Tom Daly, name me three um, famous professional divers. And she went, fuck off, Lee. (laughs) And then I just went, now now give me the name of three films. I went, too niche. I went, you sure? Uh, When you've got nothing to show, you put a film on on Saturday night. Uh, And then, uh, so they said no again. And we, we, we were driving away. And then I was like, and I've got it, I've got it, I've got it." I said, "This is what we do. We get a giant iPad made, and we we play games on the iPad. And basically, you click on um, Netflix, which we'll call Net Bits, and we'll recreate films in that. And um, we'll ask, we'll show a clip of a film, and you'll ask three, we'll ask three questions about it. Um, and the show is called um, Keith and Paddy's Happy Hour. And then we did a pilot of that." Um, and then, cha- uh, then we took. Then Peter Fincham who was the boss at ITV. He'd left then, so it was Kevin Ligo. And then he he didn't like it. He said, um, "I don't know if it's like a panel show or a sketch show." And I said, "It's both." I mean, it's both. It's what it is. It's both. I said, rather than scaring people with a new comedy on a Saturday night that uh, they might be like, oh, deterred by an adult like this, I says they'd be familiar with um, a panel show. I do one on ITV Two anyway. Um he went, no, I'm not sure about it. He says, Have you ever thought doing about uh, about have you thought about doing a sitcom? I said, Well, initially the idea was like a sitcom. It's about me and Paddy trying to make these films. He went, Oh well, I like that idea. <sighs> Back to square one. Pilot, yeah, commission. <laughs> good. First night goes out, it peaked at seven million. We had a little wager in the office. How many do you think it's get gonna get? I said, I said it's gonna get one and a half. One and a half. A couple of people a bit full of themselves and said, uh, I bet it gets 3 um it got 7 um we did two no. series Second- that was that was
2: your I think that was your pinch me career achievement to date at that point wasn't it because I know you love juice and I know you loved all the other stuff that you had done but that was that was your proper you that was your Love Child. That's that show.
3: Juice. Juice was my wonderful. Ju- well, Juice wasn't my idea, uh, but it was a wonderful, wonderful day job that I enjoyed really so much. The, uh, do you want to get drunk with two beautiful women that were really good laugh and have a fun time on a Wednesday night every ev- e- e- every week for fourteen years? <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, Keith and Picture Show, when we did that. It had gone full circle because I made these spoofs of movies when I was a kid with my mates. And then I was doing it again with my mates. And in fact, my mates in Leeds said, we've seen all this before. I said, yeah, in my garden with cardboard cutouts. <laughs> <laughs> not not with um, screen-accurate props. Not with budget. Yeah? And it was a really expensive show. Yeah. Um, so the second series, it, it didn't rate the same because we were against um, Eurovision, The Queen's Birthday. Then they took us off for a week. And uh, But people still talk about it online and say, uh, when Are you going to do anything else with Paddy? Are you doing it? Um, you know, we, we are planning something. Whether it'll happen, I don't know, but we are planning something. Yeah.
2: I've got one last question yeah. for you. Go on Is that all right? Yeah. My last question for you is a bit of myth busting. Because I think this is true, but I'm not sure if it's true. So you tell me question number three. Is it true that Celebrity Juice was kind of devised and brought together at my 30th birthday party? Yeah, it did. Did it?
3: Do you want, do you want the anecdote about it that might be too long?
2: <laughs> no, no, no. But but yeah, so what happened? Right? So it's 20 years ago.
3: Flipping hell. Dan and Holly were at your birthday Um, I didn't know either of them. I'd never met Holly.
2: So to explain Dan, Dan and Holly, Holly is Holly Willoughby. Dan is Dan Baldwin. Dan, I knew before I knew Holly because he is Tamsin, Tamsin Althwaite's cousin, right? So I've known Dan forever. And then he started dating Holly. So Holly became one of the gang and they were kind of in the early days of their relationship, I guess. And were invited to my 30th as were you. So, what happened that night? You tell me.
3: Dan came up to me and um, he said, "Would you ever work with anyone else?" So, what do you mean? He says, "I've got an idea for um, a panel show. Uh, it's you, Holly, and Fern Cotton." You know, and I went, yeah, yeah. Um, I said, "Funny enough." I says, "I've been writing a panel show anyway." So, my panel show was called Keith Lemon's Big Heads, which is weird because the show came out with um, um, Jenny, Jason Manford. And yeah, and Jason Manford yeah. called Big Heads. But I had a show. I'd written a show called Keith Lemon's Big Heads, and it was celebrities with these inflatable heads on. And the the more questions you got right, your head grew until it hit a pin. And once your head had burst, you were the winner. <laughs> I wonder why that, did I wonder why that didn't happen. I wonder why that didn't happen.
2: I'd like to point out now as well that you have never taken drugs. No, no, never. That's also something to bear in mind. Oh. It's not you, you know you are a couple of beers and quite happy, but you are not. Some psychedelic oh. drug-taking weirdo. I've,
3: I've never smoked weed or anything.
2: No, you haven't. No, no, I, no, don't,
3: no. I, I, I don't think it would agree with me. That's just the reason why. I don't judge anyone else who does it. It's up to them. No,
2: I, I think there's some people that don't need it, and you're one of them. Um, yeah, so go on. So Dan comes up to you.
3: I um, I said I've got this idea also. and But he, he wanted me to do it as Avid Merrion and I said I'm not Avid Merrion anymore. I said, who oh, are you? I said, I'm Keith Lemon. And we had a meeting and I showed him who Keith Lemon was because i just started doing Keith Lemon's Very Brilliant World Tour. And he went, well, it'll work just as well. I went, it'll work better. I says, because Abid Merriam wouldn't care to entertain anyone at all, where um, Keith Lemon likes the idea of being life and soul of the party. Here I am. I, I am the best. Uh, I know everything. I know nothing. And that's Keith Lemon in a nutshell.
2: And that was a good crowd, right, with that show because, you know, Dan said he's working that idea up, but he was working it up with... Um, Two of our other mates, Jolene and Chris, our yeah. husband and wife team. They're a bit like yeah. you and Jill. They're that tight. They've yeah, they been are, together yeah. forever. And they cooked up Celebrity Juice. Yeah. They are brilliant idea originators, um, format creators. Um, and we were all kind of the same age. We were all starting out. We'd had some success, but, you know, building on that success. It was just a really beautiful time in our lives, as I recall. Do
3: you know what and- it was for me? It was my second chapter both selected happened and finished then uh we did a very brilliant world tour and we did that because i said to ben palmer who I was working with he was the director he did in between us and mm, loads of other ben. good things and um i said that's it ben it's over it's over i said let's try and go out with a bang you always say that though lee i know, right? I know like every I know.
2: time you do something you go that it's all over this is the end
3: yeah i said let's try and get a holiday out of it <laughs> <laughs> I said they always are. They always they always they this. They, we've worked really hard. I said, Ben, I remember walking past an office and someone saying, "We need a show that's as cheap as Bo Selector to make." And I can remember overhearing that in a meeting. I went, "They always a holiday. We work three times as hard, all of us." You, I slept in the edit once. You did this. It is they always a holiday. Let's try and do a holiday program. I'll I'll stay in character and we'll go around the world. And um, <laughs> we, we we typed that up and we we sent it. We just this is how gullible we was. We we typed it up then sent it to about 20 people. I sat in my kitchen, sent it to 20 people, and then waited like this. <laughs> waiting. Just waiting. Funny enough, 20 minutes later, Zai Bennett from ITV2 um, emails back, no. come in and let's have a meeting. We went in to have a meeting. Um, I took him loads of um, lads mags. I gave, I gave him loads of lads mags. I went, this is who Keith Lemon is. Now I'm going to put a video on of me with Fabio, from the 80s, the, um, the model from oh, the yeah, 80s. yeah, the corn model. And, uh, no, no, he model? Up, no, he's on the, he was the inspiration for the Mills and Boons uh, romance novels. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a bit like He-Man. Yeah. And uh, I put that mm. on <laughs> and he watched that and then I said, we didn't write anything in that. That's me just meeting him. And what we want to do is meet people all around the world. We don't want to write anything. We just want to, we'll structure a programme and it's just, live that program as if you were doing it with a real person and he went, give me two weeks and we get, and then two weeks later he says, yeah, we want it. Uh, and then we're back in the game. We're back in the game. And then, yeah, after, once that show had gone out, um, that's when I met Dan at your birthday and said, we should do it with um, Keith Lemon. And we we used to meet in the basement of Talkback uh, and that's the production company that made it. Um, and we did um, Celebrity Juice for about six weeks, just, playing it, just pretending to do the show. Holly and Fern w- weren't always there. They were there sometimes. And I can remember saying, are we ever going to do this on telly? Are we just going to meet in the basement and pretend that we've got a commission? Uh, then we didn't shoot a pilot. We did it live to the um, Peter Fincham, the boss of ITV. Me just looking him right in the eye and playing it to him. Uh, all, the, all the office, and they got a few other offices out to watch it all. Um, and then we waited and then they said yes. And, and then Holly did it for 12 years and Fern did it for 10 years. Then it was Emily and Laura. Uh, they did it for three years. And then so everyone asks me now, they go, why did Celebrity Juice get cancelled? I went, it didn't get cancelled. It finished. <laughs> and I just got the call saying, oh, we're not doing any more um, Celebrity Juice. And I just went, all right then. Okay. Thanks for letting me know. Bye. And I sat with Max, not doing any more Juice. Are not sad? Not then. I couldn't believe it lasted 14 years, 26 series. I was happy that that had that had happened, I guess. Like, wow, look what just happened. And um I I'll miss it. I I'll, I'll probably miss it soon, I guess. And um I miss hanging out with Holly and Fern. And I said to Jill last night I said, "Can you imagine if me, Holly and Fern did a, ro- a road trip? I says wouldn't it be amazing?" And um yeah, I don't should. I don't think that'd ever happen.
2: You would never say never.
3: I'd I know um, goonies never say die But um, I'd love to I'd love to work with them again I would Do you
2: know what's really nice Is that um, You know You only have to look out On the dance floor At your 50th To see all of the Friends that you've made And more importantly All the friends you've retained Because they were all there for you Yeah um, And it's been so lovely To talk to you As I talked to you on the phone On the show today And for the listeners To understand finally um, <laughs> Why you can pack Such a dance floor um, I love you Lee and I can't wait to come and see you on tour and I would implore people to go but you would have to be quick because the tickets are almost sold out oh
3: yeah that's what I'm supposed to plug out. yeah don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> that's what I'm supposed to plug I forgot
2: everything we've talked about will be encapsulated in this show you're going to go along you're going to be hit up with some of the early stuff some of the Bo Selector stuff some of the Keith Lemon stuff um, you're even going to have Amanda Holden's Nan Myrtle in there aren't you
3: yeah it's my best love album it's the greatest hits my best off album it is yeah my greatest hits and then you quit don't you
2: no no you pretend you quit and then you come back and everyone's so excited to have you
3: can I just say um, thanks for these such lovely kind words and I love you too
2: like to see Lee on tour, there are just a handful of tickets remaining uh, at some venues, not all venues, and they're available wherever you get your tickets. And don't forget you can also catch him for now on Saturday lunchtimes on Virgin Radio from 12.30pm. For more chat with other funny folk, we've got episodes in our back catalogue with Rob Bryden, Tom Allen, Jack D, Adam Hills, Daisy May Cooper, Kerry Godleyman and Ed Gamble and James Acaster to name but a few. All you've got to do is hit the download button. I'll be back on your feeds on Tuesday with a little midweek amuse boosh by way of something from the cellar until then i really hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as i have thank you as always for your company
0: white wine question time is a stack production and part of the acast creator network
1: ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well